I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name's David Reed, and with me as ever is Merrick Larwood. Hello, Merrick. Hello, David. Hello, film lovers. Hello, Guest. Guest. We have a guest. Uh, that rare occasion. Please welcome to the show Mr. Justin Edwards. Hello, Justin. Hello, David. Um, Hello, Marek. How are you doing? Very good. Thank you. Very good. It's an absolute pleasure to be here at the, the Fandango Studios. You've just flown in straight from Hollywood. That's right. right? <laughs> pretty much, yeah. I've, I've, yeah. Pretty much straight here. I've just hopped on a cab from Heathrow, from Hollywood Airport to Heathrow Airport, and then came here to the Fandango recording suite in the heart of London's Latin Quarter. <laughs> this is the only... Uh, uh, Justin is featuring in a film at the cinemas right now. Which seems kind of apt for this The film podcast. is called Love and Friendship. Yeah, you'd be surprised how rarely it happens yeah. that we yeah. interview actual and stars. This is the only publicity that you're doing for this film, right? Pretty much. I've turned down everything else. <laughs> I was going to do... Like, Empire? Empire, Variety... Uh, Harrow advertiser. <laughs> There's all the all the big ones, but I said, Do you know what? No, I'm going to keep myself. I'm going to keep my powder dry, and I will only discuss it on the Film Fandango podcast, so that both his listeners can get the real lowdown. <laughs> An exclusive. An exclusive. So, any celebrity beefs from on set? Oh, we should we should man. talk about the film first of all. We probably should yeah, before the, well, before can, the beefs. Can, so it's on at the cinema at the moment. It's an. Adaptation of a Jane, or based on a Jane Austen novel? It's not a novel, is it? It's a, well, it is a novel. It's a novella, right? And it's an, I'm not sure if it's epistolary or pistolatory. Uh, water pistol <laughs> novel, which is a, which means letters, Mary. It means they've written letters. The whole novel oh, is based around okay. uh, letters written between Lady Susan and her uh, confidant, and it's been adapted by Whit Stillman, who is a very uh, celebrated film director, and he's written. The screenplay himself, and now published the book of the screenplay right afterwards. So he's, he's very much taken Austin's work and made it, made this because it's a previously sort of unfilmed piece because it was published by her when she was quite young and didn't really sort of have a great ending. And she was as, no, she didn't publish it. it. Was part of her collection of stuff that she said, "No, this isn't ready to, ready to go." I think so. Uh, yeah, so it's you know rather than make another sense and sensibility or one of those. Yeah, know. but it feels quite different to those ones. I thought from uh, you know they, yeah. they they have a similar tone, whereas this one actually has a bit of uh, darkness to it. Yeah, what, what's a rough quite... story for people? Say so, yeah, I'm listening. I'm one of the people listening. One or two people listening to this, and I'm thinking about going to going the cinema. Go to the cinema. Well. Well, firstly, well done. You've made the, you've made a great choice listening to this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I hope it gives you some informed decisions about your cinema viewing. 
Uh, the film concerns Lady Susan Vernon, played by Kate Beckinsale, and she's a manipulative and scheming widow. Her, the her or the character? Yeah, but both really. Um, most, of, most of the character. <laughs> manipulative and scheming widow. And she um, uh, uh, presents herself at her brother-in-law's estate, which is me, I play a brother-in-law, and basically wheedles her way in and out of various people's affections, tries to marry her daughter off. She has no money, she's skint, so she clings around to society and hangs around the rich people and um, finds a way of marrying herself and her daughter off and uh, getting into people's affections and flirting terribly with everyone and being a very interesting, scheming, manipulative woman that all the men sort of fall for and all the women hate. And she's got, yeah, and she has a, a friend and confidant who's played by Chloe Savigny, who is uh, an American from Connecticut who's living in London at the time, married to Stephen Fry. And um, and so they share a lot of you know gossip and stuff between them. But it's very yeah, it's very sort of all that peering backwards and forwards and yeah. people shuttling about in carriages between the town and country and having. It's, a, it's quite talky, isn't it? I really noticed it. I think I've watched some films which were there's a lot of I don't know what a, well, there's been a lot of script in there. There's a lot of script. The read through for the film is about three hours. It's really really long, but we do it very fast, which I think is kind of interesting. Yeah. And that wasn't, I don't think we were ever told to do that. I think everyone just automatically <laughs> spoke really quickly. This is a long scene. If we're not, you know. And there's very little camera movement. It was fun when we were yeah. filming it. We're kind of like, should we, should we, should we do that again? Should I walk across? No, don't. Yeah, he really wants the stillness of it all. And actually, it works very well because it's. Oh, I thought Kate really Beckinsale was great. She really was excellent. Yeah, really good. Like, there's, it's quite an interesting character as well because it feels quite different for Austin that yeah. she's almost a sociopath. Yeah, that's, that's, and certainly that's is a very sort of modern portrayal of the character potentially that you never see her mask drop no. so it's poten- potentially it's not a mask at all it is there just is, yeah, there's no moments where you kind of get her re- well she sort of reveals her true motives to the uh, Chloe to a Lady Alicia but um, yes she doesn't yeah that, that's the only person who gets sort of the true side of her there is one moment and I'm trying to think where it is where you suddenly see her in a slight Panic when they when they have that sort of letter reveal. With the letter, there, there is a moment where she kind of wobbles and it's like, oh Christ, but, it, but, but yeah, she's not much of a wobble. She, she gets then, right she back turns, on the horse, turns it around again. Yeah, no, I thought she was absolutely fantastic and it really good. What was it like to film it? Where you because it, it wasn't filmed in England, was it? It was filmed in Dublin last year, last February and March. So it's freezing cold. Um, it was very nice. Yeah, it's a nice place to film Dublin. So Hoth Castle is my house, which is Churchill, and there was another. Stately home in Dublin did some filming in and some, some interiors but I was mostly in and around the castle which already has beautiful sort of period interiors and is all sort of set up and has horses and stuff and everything going on so it's the right place to do it. Uh, I'm always fascinated at how many the difference between making TV say you're making Doctors where they just shoot one scene and don't yeah. rehearse it to TV kids <laughs> TV where you've got to do 800 pages in a day yeah what's it like doing the films that was th- that whole film was shot in 26 days which wow. is really short for a thing like that so it was quite relentless and wow also Witt the director were, didn't like the actors to have a schedule so he didn't know what you were filming the next day because he said I don't want I don't want to over prepare I don't want it whatever so I think Kate but what about with the, with the, schedule because with the, the word with yeah, the night it was quite like you got it the night before they say right tomorrow oh my god tomorrow we're filming this scene so you'd learn it then which is kind of so, and a lot of it is first takes as well there's a lot of you know 
quite, which I think yeah, they just a do lot that. to the film. Was there someone with a drink problem? Because that sounds like a sort of thing they do. <laughs> the kind of thing they just do. Just yeah, say, the oh, well, you, just off his face. To stop people from getting from drinking, you know, you've got to learn your lines the night before to stop people from getting pissed. Maybe that's it. Maybe every film, they always say that to me. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think so. I think, he just wanted, I think Kate must have had it more in advance because she had massive long pages of dialogue. She's very good at learning lines. But a lot of it was, was changed on the day. That 12 Commandments scene with um, Tom Bennett getting and the 12 he's really brilliant. Really good yeah. Yeah. But that was that was rewritten on the, on the we turned up in the morning and during makeup we said I've rewritten the scene. Wow. And just handed it to her and then we haven't filmed it. Which is fine because I've been because of the thick of it things like very last minute script changes during scenes. You kind of, I'm quite <laughs> quite used to that. And was and it two the, cameras or one camera? Or was one it? camera. Yeah, it's one, wow. one one big film camera that sees everything. And they, yeah, very nice Dutch DOP, really interesting and. Uh, yeah, he you know, lit it. But it looks beautiful. For, yeah. And did you think it was going to do that well? When it on or I couldn't tell. I was quite baffled at various points during the film because it was so right. Tomorrow you're going to film this scene, and you have to think back. Go right. Oh, that's the scene in which I met her, and she's met him. And then we've just about got time to sort of work that out, and then you film it. And um, it wasn't filmed in chronological order. No, no. Just again because it was really low budget, so constraints of you know right. We've got this actor for this yeah, day, yeah. so we're doing this for that, and you know, so you're backwards and forwards a bit. So it was quite. Um, Blimey. Yeah. Who was the nicest actor in it? The nicest. Apart from me, they're all nice. They were, you know. But so you've got to kill bit. all of them apart from one. <laughs> oh right, okay. Uh, sort of, this is the thing that people uh, want to hear. James Fleet. Oh, he is very nice. Quite a lot. He's a really good, good man, Fleety. No one calls him that. <laughs> I'm going to from now, but he was great, and he's really. People good know fan. James Fleet, famous for the bloke in. Uh, um, Four weddings in a yeah. film. Yeah, he's a really good, really good actor. I've done lots of things with him over the years for that Monk sitcom. Oh yeah, few other things. And he's um, but he's made he's very good company, really good fun. And Gemma Redgrave as well is very, you know, it's a good laugh. Who's Gemma Redgrave? Who's Gemma? Which one is? Which was she? Oh, she's James Fleet's um, wife. She's Lady. Oh Lady. yes. She's my oh, my yes. mother-in-law. Yeah. And he's my father-in-law. Yeah. They, they as a couple, I thought, were excellent. They're really actually, good, because they? because I, I noticed it, it must have been so hard to sort of give off the impression of being married when you can yeah. show no affection to each other whatsoever. <laughs> Any way at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And also, it's uh, quite underplayed, because a lot of it is... They, there are sort of gags in it that aren't milked in a way that... Because actually, that scene of him reading the letter out to her and then being a... And just her having a really bad cold is yeah. a very interesting <laughs> director. Is I just I just want you to have a really awful cold in this scene. Don't okay, so it's just quite kind of <laughs> odd, subtle things. But there's nice little. There's an argument that I have with um with James. Well, not argument. There's that line at the end when I say, "Oh, we call her the Surrey Songbird." He goes, "No, no, we call her the Kentish." It's just yeah, this yeah. slightly pointless father-in-law arguing with his son-in-law, and then the kind of I think a lesser director would have had that as a gag that you might have revisited three yes. times, but. It just sort of happens once and it's slightly skated over. It just nicely gives the nice texture to the film. Sort of and people were buying nice. into it. I mean, people were laughing yeah. out loud in the cinema at yeah, these bits. And I, they are quite gentle. Yeah, no, it's not. It's I was surprised at the screening I went to where people really kind of, ooh, there's some, you know, I think the Americans have gone crazy. I was talking about the producer and he said they really kind of... Well, it's know, got the, le- it's got the levity that the, yeah. these things are often missing because it's all so mannered and stiff that yeah. they often go, well, it must be earnest at the and same time. Must, and everyone must be deeply serious. and direct. There's some odd, odd decisions which make you think it's a comedy where we, you, they introduce all the characters, they do a sort of spotlight on your faces. Yeah, it's slightly weird little sort of... So it feels a bit... A bit like it's it's going to be a comedy, yeah. yeah. Sort of quite, yeah. And there's there's little there's like we know when the letters come up of the well, you know, when the letters are being read aloud and yes. the yeah. little hiding things like that. No, no. 
26 days, that's incredible. Yeah. It was going to be 27, but they did it quicker because <laughs> Kate was so good in her lines. Wow. wow. They did very few retakes. And she's beautiful, yeah, and she's in her 40s. That sounds terrible. <laughs> um, but she looks much younger than that. Who would have that. thought a lady over 40 would be anything I less think old women are very, very attractive. <laughs> What's the thing? Yeah, well, imagine that. I mean, since yeah. you've recently turned 40, yes, Mary, yeah. you must be looking to the over 40s. Yeah, for, in, in yeah you, I, didn't, I didn't mean it like that. I meant she still looks very, very young. Ironically, you look like an old woman. Yes. <laughs> I've taken all of her age from her. You've done a kind of Dorian Gray thing. Yeah. But no, it's very good fun to film, but it was quite quick. It wasn't, you know, we didn't have sort of hilarious scrapes and mess around on set because it was just, you know, it was a lot of work to do. Of course. I, I, was, I was actually pleasantly surprised by Kate Beckinsale because having only seen her in sort of the underworld films and then yeah, shooting was, fish back yeah. in the 90s, I was going, oh... There must be a reason she only gets these, but she can do it. She yeah, can do she it all. Really good. Well, I think because also, but still, she's the last days of disco with him and uh, and a couple of other kind of. So he's always been a big fan of her and her and Chloe Sevigny. So he uses them. And he knows that she can do it. No, yeah. She's great now. Really good. It's fantastic. Um, and can I ask? Because Marek must uh, be desperate to know. You were in uh, Thor two as well, weren't you? That's correct. And Marek's yeah. a big Marvel fan, yeah. so I. <laughs> uh, any anecdotes of working with oh, uh, with what? Natalie Portman on that one? Or? Portman and Hemsworth. Yeah. Again, not really. I was just that was quite a nice job. I was on wet weather cover for that for a week, and we just, weather cover. Yeah. We just, what does that mean? Well, you just have to go in, and when there's a when the, you know they said we're going to film this massive scene with, the, with everything coming down, but we can't do it when it's actually raining because they bought built a rain machine. Okay. It was quite like they flipped over. Does the truck. rain machine break in the rain? It just doesn't look as good. I think. Oh, <laughs> right, okay. like, and there were loads of stunts. It was a big, big stunt piece that one scene where you know where he comes down, and all the cars explode, and oh yeah, yeah, whatever, and all the police. And that happened, around. did it? That all that was all there. I had, I had a stunt double who's who missed the, his crash mat on the tape they used. I think it's amazing. He was on they had endless cranes with wires and lots of stunt men around, and uh, and the action and all the, the fantastic phones, all exploding glass in the yeah yeah police, police car windows are all got to rigged to explode. So everything explodes and these stunt men get thrown back in the air and this huge sort of thing happens. So they and go, you're in a you're in a comfy uh, chair. I'm in a reasonably comfy chair. Well, I shan't be in that shot. <laughs> And then they go, ah, that's good, okay, okay, reset and go again. And it's four hours to reset because they have to put all the, you know, reset all the exploding things. Yeah, yeah. You know, repair the stuntman's back, put everything back together <laughs> and then explode it all again. I mean, it's a real thing. So they kept away ages to, for the conditions right to do the scene. So I basically sat in the trailer for a week having a doze. We just had our son, so I was quite pleased to have a sleep. So I, I slept <laughs> a lot and then sort of filmed for one day on that. But it was very nice. That was very, yeah, it was like Natalie Portman, who's, yeah. Perfectly pleasant, yeah. quite short, and then everyone is next to me. When you say perfectly pleasant, do was that loaded? No, no, sorry, she, with, you know, I'm a bloke coming in for one day to play a policeman. You know, she's yeah. like, there are other people she'd rather talk to than me. I don't think that's unreasonable. The bloke playing a butcher for two days, yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's a hierarchy, you yeah. yeah, exactly. You've got to, you know, got to know your place, yeah. And Chris Hemsworth, but it was, it was the biggest film, that's why it's the biggest film set I've been on. It was the biggest unit base, which is where, as Marek will explain, what the unit base is. A unit base is where you turn up, and it's where all um, all the trailers are, and all the makeups are, and uh, basically it's a whole load of weird portable homes mm. it, around in, the, in, around in, a double decker bus. Usually, everyone eats on, and there's a sort of, and there's a uh, a mobile sort of uh, canteen that people come in, 
and everyone looks to see what the food's going to be like for the day and, yeah. Tries to, yeah. and talks about how shit the catering is. And if you'd like to ever see what a unit base looks like, Good. just look for those little fluorescent signs right. on lamp Say, LR, lock, look and base this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and but then you can try and break in. Any car park near Wembley's got one. And uh, But this was the biggest unit base I've ever been on because it's a massive film. Yeah. It had a map because it was so big they were there for a while because they were doing lots of scenes around there and it's, uh, but they built little squares so the, the stars trailers form their own sort of private square really? with named streets <laughs> they wore wow because each of them obviously Chris Hemsworth and that had big trailers they had massive trailers and they had to have security so they screwed yeah, yeah. trailers around them. and then Chris Hemsworth had a travelling gym because he has to be you know, of course he has wow. to be ripped and pumped before every scene so he had a gym that went everywhere with him and a personal trainer and they have their own private chefs and their own private... And it was just this... So we turn up, and it was quite dark, me and this other boat, um, Griffith, who's a very nice Welsh actor, playing this other policeman. And we, we turn up every morning for a week, and they go, we might need you today. Just wait in the trailers. And have some breakfast. And they had a separate, you know, because it was American, they had most extraordinary good food. And they had separate sort of waffle chefs. And different did, different sort of canteens did you have your own, to go to. Did you have your own trailer? Because normally it's, a, it's a one mobile home with three, it was a three things in it. And then yeah. you could, it moves every time someone else in their yeah. trailer moves. So it's really yeah, annoying. no, I was, I was in a three-way. But I didn't have to share it. I had, I had exclusive use of my uh, uh, three-way. I they, went, did, they did wobble around a lot. I When I did a thing called Drunk History a year and a half ago, my driver dropped me off. And I went in, and um, it, was, it was really odd because there was no one else there. But it was a, in a massive car park, and the food was really good. And I thought, uh, you know, loads of trailers and things like that. So I went and got breakfast straight away, and, and there was no one and I ate this breakfast. Well, it just looks like a good thing. Mm. And gradually people started arriving, and I realised I mean, there was two. It was another. <laughs> <laughs> you got so a free I, breakfast. I had my breakfast, <laughs> and I walked around the corner to where they were filming Drunk Histories. Where there were the old tables, yeah, <laughs> with, with old just sandwiches with like half a sausage, <laughs> not even buttered. Did you find out what it was? You told it was for Navra. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, you see, those are, well, those it's craft services on the on that food, but anything I've done American is brilliant because they have they're obsessed with bringing you food all the time, and it was quite cold. So you're just sort of standing, waiting around, and someone comes up with just a massive. It's like being at a wedding, a huge tray of canapes at any point during the day. <laughs> I did some filming in America once, and that was for just this. They say, "I'll oh, just get something from the table." The table just has vats of M and M's, and you know, piles of donut, and just sort of American food oh, all that's day, great. all day. I mean, that really food. that is uh, cameraman food, though, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, they just have sugar, just it's endless sugar. And it's at five o'clock. They bring these terrible. We're normally filming some, some crappy, awful sandwiches, which is the, anything left, left over from lunch is made into a sandwich <laughs> yeah. brought around at five o'clock. <laughs> And everyone just everyone devours it. And it's really kind of oh god, everybody. And they're, they're almost stale before you. Before, but yeah. not the American ones. They don't. They come around with a hot box. You get hot box on wrap. Wow. So when you finish, they come around with a massive, sort of you know meatballs or something served on a plate. It's just yeah, much that better. They do great. It. It's all about the food, really, isn't it? Well, change very podcast, isn't it? Well, back on love and friendship, the catering was very nice, and I had some nice, nice dinners out in Dublin. So I mean, it was yeah, but that was very good catering. Now think back on it. Well, go and see um, uh, Love and Friendship at the cinema, and and you'll know that everyone ate very well on it. We all ate very well on it, and really, that's all there is to it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, no, it's very good. I could talk further about the, you know, but yeah, that's enough. What is it? Secrets? The secrets? No, there's no secrets. I don't think. Uh, Tom Bennett's very good, isn't he? Yeah, really good. Because I I, uh, only know him from those adverts with the pigeon. 
Oh, is he in there? Uh, he's oh, in, well, uh, he's in Photoshop as well, isn't he? Uh, yes, he is, he is. Oh, yeah, he's, he's done some he's things that are noteworthy, but I remember him from pigeon. the advert with the pigeon, yeah. uh, where you can sell your own C- CDs and DVDs. Oh, I yeah, don't even know what it's called, so it failed. But um, <laughs> <laughs> he, no, he's, he's just funny, isn't he? He's got, he is very he's got funny, funny he's just, bone. He's just writing it as well, because that one, that first scene where he turns up and does, there, Church Hill, and the whole kind of, you know, brilliant physical stuff pretty much all one take I don't think it cuts off him at all and it's a really long yeah, yeah. insane speech to be in kind of period costume in this kind of luxurious ornate house doing although staccato speeches are very yeah. hard to learn aren't they because yeah, there's exactly. no sort of link oh yeah ha, ha, ha. just sort of you know upper class twit thing but he does it really well really. yeah yeah very funny man oh no I thoroughly enjoyed it we're going to play the casting game next uh, we haven't played this for a while but we play it when we've got guests um, Justin, if you wouldn't mind adjudicating, picking between our castings, we are going to do, uh, Marek suggested, Lethal Weapon 2. Oh. They're remaking Lethal Weapon, but in, uh, in Lethal Weapon 2, after the first one, they're all ruined by Joe Pesci. So we thought we'd, we'd include him in the casting. <laughs> Who can be the new ruiner film Joe Pesci? Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I, I've given this enormous thought, obviously, mm. which is why I'm now crazily IMDBing people um, but Marek would yes. you mind going first to give me an opportunity to well, think of a uh, let's go with the Mel Gibson first ok Mel Gibson I'm going to go for the easy choice oh no Channing Tatum oh ok He's, there's two easy choices in our uh, casting games we we'll always get them confused with Stockard Channing from <laughs> <laughs> Channing Tatum Channing is Tatum. not the first lady in the West Wing right Shane Tatum, you probably know him as a stripper in Magic Mike. <laughs> yes, that's it. Yeah. And oh, Magic yeah, Mike yeah. too. But I think that's not a bad choice. I mean, you need someone who looks good. Yep. And uh, can do a bit of fighting. And is funny. You believe them with yeah. a gun. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go for, again, the casting game uh, fan favourite of someone playing. And let's remember, uh, Riggs is supposed to be sort of a bit mad and he's on the verge of a breakdown. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Tom Hardy. Yeah, uh, no, no, no. I, no, you see, I think, no, no, but I'm poo pooing that. Oh, really? Why? Are you not a fan? He's got no, 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 hum- very no humour to it. He's very good, but I think what, you know, it's the twinkle in the eye that Mel Gibson has, you know, before, exactly. before we all realised what he, might, what he was <laughs> what thinking that about. Yeah. <laughs> what, 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 what he was actually thinking. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, particularly in the first Luther Birth, he really he's quite charming and charmingly unhinged. And you think, oh, I would, you know. Rather than violently Rather than violently unhinged, which I think Tom Hardy would do very You want someone who's a bit. A bit off the wall, bit kooky. Yeah, but you know, but could still be all right in a fight and be a copper. So I've won that one. You're going one for Channing Tatum. No, I'll give, I'll give all one. right, then I'll go first with uh, the uh, Danny Glover. Now uh, you want a uh, a man close to retirement, believably close to retirement. Um, I'm going to go for. It's about time he was in films again, in my opinion. I'm going to go for Billy Dean Williams. Who is uh, Lando Calrissian from oh, the Star yeah. Wars? Films. Now, what's, what's he done? That's since? a good choice. That's a good choice. Yeah. Um, he, look, I can look him up. He's. Um, I'm sure he's not dead. He? He's not dead. No, um, people he's were surprised good. he wasn't oh, in the. Very, uh, I'm surprised he's not in Lethal Weapon. He's, he's very, very good. Oh uh, no, this isn't looking very good for me. So he's uh, he's in a cartoon called Star Wars Detours. Um, uh, he's in all the cartoons. He's in the Lego Movie as Lando Calrissian. He voices him, yeah, voices him top. Okay. He did an episode of NCIS and Glee. Oh, well, um, fine. You know, Modern Family he was in. I am going to go He's for... Than you, mate. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, most people are. Um, Carl Weathers. 
you would know as Apollo Creed Apollo, in Rocky, yeah, yeah, and the bloke in, in with the moustache in Predator. The uh, Apollo Creed, yeah, he's good. And he uh, plays Carl Weathers in Arrested Development. Ah, uh, yes, he does. I, uh, I'm not, I'm not so sure about it because I think, particularly, I'm thinking of him as Apollo Creed. He's mean and mean and tough. Oh. I, th- I think there's a, there's a homely Family Guy sort of solidity to Danny Glover that you go, oh, I just want him to retire. Let's just let him do this one last job. Whereas Apollo Creed think would go and just sort of headbutt someone to death. And stuff. <laughs> okay, well, that's, um, so I think, I think well, maybe, yeah, so yeah. that's a. Billy Dean Williams. I mean, Billy Dean Williams has got, has got a bit of a, yeah. Okay, it comes down to, just like the film did, the Joe Pesci's. Ah. Now, uh, who is the Joe Pesci de nos jours? I'm going to go for Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not... I... Do you know his real name? Uh, what is his real name? Pete Peter William Herman. That's right. I'm not sure what his name. Paul Rubens. Oh, Paul Rubens. Paul it, Rubens. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, he's He's not... Kooky, so much as sort of. I don't well, know. Well, you don't say because he's going to do his I've guess. I've got to pick one. I'm going to go for. Um, oh, this is tricky. I can't really remember his character other than he's annoying and comedy light relief. Um, but uh, can I go for Danny DeVito? Oh, that's too. You think that's too like for like? It's too similar, you know. Also, if you were going to remake it in this day and age, I mean, Danny DeVito probably. So you want someone younger? Not ancient. I mean, he's you know. So he's still doing uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So he's going to go for Peter Herman or Danny DeVito. That's a choice. That's a poor choice. If I was a (laughs) a casting director, who would you go for? Who would be your? uh, Who would you want? Who's who's the kind of who's the uh, who's the annoying (laughs) Joe Pesci of our days? Those and James Corden. Um, oh God, yeah. Have you seen any of his uh, American films, sort of um, Into the Woods or any of the? I haven't seen Into the Woods. I'd like to see it because Richard Garvey's in it. Yeah, it's, he's yeah, great. He's, he's great got uh, Chris Pine's yeah. phone number as a result. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's, uh, it's yeah. I imagine it's... he got paid as well, or is that? What <laughs> no, no, no. That's what <laughs> they give you. That's what they give you. <laughs> just change his number. Uh, <laughs> no, Garvey's great, and he's excellent. Not very good. But I haven't, I haven't seen him. There's some movies. really good bits, but Corden can't quite live up to the having a character with layers you know he's just not quite likeable enough but everyone else is pretty good yeah um, I'm sorry who's the, well Jack Black it would be wouldn't it yeah it would yeah, be he'd, good he'd, choice, he'd, he'd be the modern day right. he'd be the crazy he'd be the wild and crazy guy coming in and being a bit crazy yeah, but that's not the ch- you're overruling. Well, you're just, saying, just Jack Black. saying Jack Black. I'm saying if I was a cast member, <laughs> which I probably go, I certainly wouldn't be phoning up Paul Rubens. <laughs> Have you, got his, have you got his note? Has Richard Glover got Paul Rubens? Almost number? certainly. Let's find out. We just text him. <laughs> what was that scandal involved, involving Paul Rubens well, that ended his career for a bit? Ranking adult cinema, which is fair enough. Is what you're going there for. But, but, but I think it was fine, but because his shows are basically based towards children. They go, sure. Have you ever seen Pee Wee's Big Adventure? No. It is insane. It's, it's really an early nuts. Tim Burton film yeah, as well, really, isn't it? really, really bonkers, yeah. It's uh, no because uh, it was a TV show, wasn't it? And that's why yeah. Americans sort of loved it. It was the yeah, adaptation of that. Yeah, but. so it's a spin-off of that, but it's quite yeah, quite mad. No, no, he's slightly frightening. I only really know him from um, Mystery Men. Have you seen that? A sort of uh, skewed superhero film with William H Macy and uh, Ben Stiller. Oh yeah, but he plays the Spleen, whose uh, <laughs> power is his colonic gas. Um, so. Wonderful character. Yeah. It's got Hank Azaria as a man who throws uh, forks. Called the Blue Raja. It's good. It's funny. Um, 
All right. Well, then, who are you who are you going for out of those two? Was it? Oh, do I have to choose? You do you? have yeah. to. I'm afraid. Uh, what was yours again? Mine was Danny Devito. <laughs> it's going to be Danny Devito because okay. he, he, oh. he did a better job than uh, the the boring. The boring okay. choice. The boring choice. But the uh, yeah, I think a slightly yeah, better, slightly better casting. But I don't know. Yeah, no, no, Danny DeVito, yeah. He's very good, I like Danny DeVito. He, he is excellent. I, I sort of forget how good an actor he is as well. When you see, um, if you watch uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's yeah. Nest or something, he's totally good. Taxi, Taxi, yeah. Taxi, Taxi. great, yeah. Brilliant, yeah. Wife bought me the first series of Taxi on DVD. Thanks. It's <laughs> <laughs> very good, but he's really, yeah. He's, he's really, yeah really good. Did Taxi ever get a sort of Frasier equivalent? Did it get a spin-off um, series? I think, though, I'm going to say... But I think there was, though. Wasn't there like a, I think there was a pilot. Who's the one who plays the sort of boxer? He's not Grand it? Theft Auto is based on it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's probably based on that. Uh, what was that Jim Davidson sitcom? Up the Elephant Round the Castle. That, oh, that's that, based, that's based probably on based on taxi. Yeah. Um, no, but they're all good. But they all sort of did well off it. Yeah. And apart from... Yeah, apart from the main... Judd Hirsch Yeah, Judd Hirsch didn't... Christopher Lloyd yeah. did rather Christopher well. Christopher did all right. The Danny DeVito, he'd done all right. And the, actually, Tony Danza, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He sort of... And there... And um, what's his face? Thing with Bob, um, Man on the Moon. Him. Oh, yeah, Andy uh, Kaufman. Andy Kaufman, yeah. yeah. I mean, lots of great stories about him just yeah. not messing him up about and going mental in it. I watched... Did you... This is... Um, I can't remember anyone's name today. Uh, the, what's he called? The tiny uh, Ran, uh, James Randy. Oh yeah, who the... was in an episode of. I'm going to say it was an episode of Taxi, and now I've got it wrong. He wasn't in an episode of Taxi. He was <laughs> with Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> uh, was check, there was a really good documentary about James Randy on recently, and I didn't right. realize he was so he was massive on in America as a, as a escapologist. Yes, kind of we know him over here more in his later years as sort of debunker of, of yeah, yeah, just hater he, of your hater of your ego. But he the, he uh, appeared in lots of. No, he was in Morecambe Mindy. That's why. <laughs> Which was a spin-off from Happy so, Days. Yeah, so. so maybe I'm thinking of someone else. But yeah, I'm sure he's in Taxi. He's probably, probably in Taxi <laughs> at some point. No, that's one. I'll stick with that. All right. Um, <laughs> he, yeah. he's He looks like a wizard now. Well, yeah. Well, which is apt. It is apt, <laughs> I suppose. It, yeah. But he denies uh, magic, doesn't he? Denies yeah. wizarding. Yeah, really, uh, he's a fascinating man. Uh, he's not in Taxi, but oh, he was right. in Sesame Street and something called Is There Sex After Death? Oh, he right. was in Happy Days, Happy Days as the amazing, Randy. Amazing, amazing Randy. There we go. Again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, there's there's our there's our cast. Uh, it might not go to sequel depending on uh, how well the first one does. No, so yeah. we, they who's may in, not who's in the actual remake? It's it's sort of unknown pretty men. I think. Yeah, you can't replace Mel Gibson. I don't, I don't think. Um, or is it a TV series? TV. I series. think it's a TV series. It's. Um, uh, yeah, about a maverick cop. About a maverick cop, and hang on, they've they've not done the ordering the cast properly. So it's that thing where the guy who plays a bank robber is top billing on IMDb because he got in there first. That's what's really interesting on IMDb. It lists people by amount of films they've been in. Hmm. So occasionally, when you look up a film and there's some weird person you've never heard of, it's the extra. Yeah, who goes who on, on IMDb and types them all in and yeah, yeah. They, they've been an extra in lots of but Hollywood things they, their edit, rating's yeah. really high you can't edit your own profile on IMDb there's some lies on mine that I kind of, I've left on there because I haven't put them on there about where I was born <laughs> oh really my, or when my birthday is and you just go that's quite good yeah, so, so no one can so steal no, your no credit card no one details. really knows yeah. it's uh, Damon Wayans of the Wayans uh, Brothers uh, is playing uh, Murtoch, but uh, I do not know the Riggs character 
who is called Clayne Crawford. Mm. Clayne, there's an American name. Very out of touch with all these things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, we've also seen some other films that Justin isn't in. I'm sorry, but we have. Why, why bother? <laughs> um, What's the point? Um, <laughs> what have, you've been to, you've seen something, haven't you, Mary? You caught up watched, on an old classic. I watched Tootsie on film four oh, the other night. Tootsie's a good film. You'd not yeah. seen it before, though, had you? No, I've seen it those times. Oh, have you? Okay. <laughs> it's uh, brilliant. Really good, Tootsie. Yeah. I think uh, Dustin Hoffman, it just makes you want to live in the early 80s again. As a woman. Uh, in New York. <laughs> in New York, yeah. Bill Murray's playing his writer friend. It's basically, if you haven't seen it, you must watch it. I mean, it was really popular in the 1980s. As um, Dustin Hoffman got nominated for an Oscar for playing Tootsie uh, and uh, what's her name? The lady in it. Oh. She won Jessica Lang. Jessica Lang won an Oscar for her role in it. It's about an out of work actor who decides to dress up as a woman to try and get work. It's really funny. Dustin Hoffman's brilliant and charming. It's got yeah. a really great eighties New York feel to it. It's funny he had a very good run of, you know, Dustin Hoffman at his best kind of things. That and yeah, Kramer, what happened to Kramer that? Versus Kramer and then. <laughs> it was the white chicks of its day, really, wasn't it? Um Tootsie. No, uh, more than speaking that. Speaking of the Lions Brothers. Yeah, it kind of led on to, you know, famous cross dressing capers like Norbert and Big Mama's house. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. Mrs. Doubtfire, yeah. It, it really the way for all I think it's the only Open good, the floodgates it's the only good example of cross dressing ever. Well what about some like it hot? Second second example of cross good cross dressing films. What else have there been? The crying game. Oops, spoilers. Yeah. Um, well, I'll watch that then. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it with my dad when he came up to stay. So it's, it's, if you want a, a good film to watch film. with your parents, that, that's not going to be offensive. Perfect. Really Tootsie, funny. Very good to see. I remember. I think I watched it on family once when we were around on the telly. When you know, when the film used to come on, and everyone would go, "Oh, we better watch this because." Yeah, we can't video this. It was the excitement when films used to actually come on the telly for the first time. Yeah, it's sort of four years after you'd last. Yeah, remember there was they no were way in the of cinema. And they go, "It's going to be on BBC Two at nine o'clock tonight," and that we we have to watch this. Yeah, it was very exciting. Well, I think films four sort of show films on a loop for about a month. They or yeah. when they show them three or yeah, four times. Yeah. So it's worth looking out for that. Uh, I've just looked up. Dustin Hoffman is seventy-eight, 78. now, wow. and he's really? sort of retired into the Kung Fu Panda films, where he can just be uh, just turn he, up. Was he the voice? Because I saw he's Kung Shifu. Fu Panda. I've not seen them. Or yeah, I is he Kung like Fu the Panda mentor figure or something? I guess he is. Because I mean, you can just go to a, a, a uh, air-conditioned recording booth <laughs> yeah. and do your yeah, bit, and then go home again. You have to leave your house. You know? Why yeah, would yeah, he do yeah. it though? Why would he's seventy-eight? He's obviously made loads of money. Why he still? Maybe he's. Maybe he's spent it all on eggs. Eggs. Or <laughs> and yeah. they depreciate in value over time. Yeah, they, 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 they buy them, they don't last forever, do they? Yeah, he's probably did that. <laughs> probably, that's probably what he's done. He's sitting there, going, oh, why don't I buy these eggs? And then, uh, yeah, I better do another voice of it, I'm sure that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and he buys more eggs, he can't yeah. help himself. Idiot. Yeah. <laughs> well, I actually saw a interesting documentary uh, that I've been wanting to see for a long time. I don't know if you've heard of this. It's called The Propaganda Game. And it's... Uh, I caught it on Netflix, but it's this Spanish um, documentary maker has made a film about North Korea. Ah, I like it. I'm not. I'm not it's fascinating. Now he he gets access because, of course, famously, no one gets access yeah. to North Korea because there is this incredibly odd fellow who's a Spanish-born member of the North Korean army. 
who he's uh, been in sort of love with North Korea and communism specifically since he was a teenager and he now acts as almost liaison to the west because he understands them. this rings a bell I have yeah and so because they're both Spanish he gets very restricted uh, guarded access to North yeah. Korea and just seeing just alone seeing that much footage of, of Pyongyang you know but outside of the normal things because I'm slightly obsessed with North Korea I read that Barbara Demick book was um, which was really fascinating about, and then various other ones about it. And there's loads of there's some, lots of stuff online now. There's a couple of journalists recently managed to get some more interesting right. photographs. But you tend to see just the same things that people are allowed. Yeah, yeah. Photograph. So does he get managed to? get... Well, he only gets it? access to Pyongyang, of course, which is, yeah, which is which is feels a bit like Disneyland, but yeah. it, it's not it's not fake fake in terms of you go around a street corner and it's and all you know. Apart, no. Yeah, no, but it's they've clearly sort of because this is the bit tourists are allowed in and visiting dignitaries and all the yeah. rest. The people who are given the resources and have a good life live there, yeah, no, but we good. haven't a clue what's going on in the rest, the rest of the, of the country, country no. apart from for when you know people manage to escape and then and tell you what's happened. Exactly. When you read the kind of yeah, transcripts of of uh, defectors, it's quite extraordinary. Go, oh yeah, no one in you know, one in a thousand people ever gets to go to the capital city. It's just yeah, not yeah. you know that's that's the big that's the golden ticket. But know? the indoctrination of the children, where sort oh, of like the first thing they learn is to say, you know, all hail the yeah the great leader. the great leader, and it, it's it. But what he's managed to do, which I think is quite clever, because of course he can't do this great expose revealing mm. documentary about the country because he can't get in. Is he's he's made it about the propaganda domestically mm. and then actually the propaganda in the opposite direction from the West because yeah. of course a lot of it isn't sort of trying to do down North Korea more than we find them so eccentric yeah. that any, anything we hear we believe because we go well that sounds about right that, yeah. they're, they're mental they'd, over they'd there do that, wouldn't they? They, yeah, yeah they definitely all have to have Kim Jong-un's haircut now which isn't, yeah. isn't true but you yeah. know when we hear it it's, but if if you have any interest in North Korea, like it, it is fascinating. I definitely watch that one. Yeah. Uh, what, what do they show then? Just uh, what, what sort of footage do they have? Because he got hold of. Well, he's gone around all sorts of places. So he meet he meets uh, military leaders and he goes around museums. But the the museum to their history is weirdly empty, and he's never told why there aren't any visitors mm. there. But he's got the full run of the place, even though it's sort of like a normal day and everyone apparently has freedom. Yeah. And then he he actually. Uh, at one point asks to uh, if he can go to a Catholic service because he claims to be Christian mm. I don't think he actually is but and they scramble and after many 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 phone calls he gets to go to the Catholic uh, church in Pyongyang and they're told that they have total religious freedom in this idea that people are punished and imprisoned if they want to mm. uh, worship another religion is complete rubbish but you then hear from experts and uh, Amnesty International, everyone that you just they it is a it's a theatre basically. Mm. It's a fake Catholic church that they built the whole thing in the two thousands or something, so that visitors can go and go. Oh yes, they do oh, seem to oh, be there's very. There's another peaceful. mass at one o'clock. Pop yeah. by. Shit, get the candles. And they don't do <laughs> communion or anything because yeah. they, I think because they're not quite set up. They, they haven't got the books and quite what to do. Yeah, yeah, but it's, you just see these people all sort of dressed in exactly the same. Catholic uniform, like it's a, a chorus line or something. It's very creepy. It feels, it's feel because everything's so clean and everyone is so happy. 
it feels a lot like watching an episode of The Prisoner or something, you know. Or would you like to live there? Absolutely not, no. no. I was talking with, with visiting us, but I thought, no, I don't actually feel I want to now, because I've seen so much footage of people's, you know, sanctioned trips, it just doesn't really, uh, yeah, yeah. there's not much more to... It's a bit like a coach anything. trip when you go abroad, you go on a coach trip, and they make you go to like the Pearl Factory or the... Well, this one, yeah, exactly. The sort of very, factory. Yeah, very designated routes to go. The only thing I'd be fascinated to see is there was a description, there was some... Uh, somebody put loads of photos on Facebook recently. They managed to get loads of stuff outside of the normal things, and they described their trip to the mausoleum. You can go and see the preserved bodies of Kim Il Sung and Kim, oh, wow, yeah. Kim Jong Il, and it's just. And he said that is absolutely extraordinary. And you can't take a camera anywhere that you'd be killed if you took a camera, even sort of within a hundred meters. It's so guarded. But he said it's the, the sort of biggest thing ever been to. Just underground escalators going on for three miles. At walking pace through just their whole lives, but he just said, as a kind of museum to these two men, it is eye-wateringly expensive yeah, yeah. for the amount of constant guards there, and, it, it, and yeah. it's all such recent history as yeah, well. No, it's no, the weird really, thing. Yeah, it's crazy, it, uh, but it's it was a it's terrifying at the, sort of the level to which everybody behaves the same, hmm. you know, because of this indoctrination since birth of you know. It, the only way this state can work is if everybody we, we thinks it's a good idea. Yeah. They've got a point, haven't they? Well, they do, but they but it, but in the a, a, a free idea, a different opinion yeah, isn't it, welcome because that could bring the whole house that, of cards that would, down. That would sort of pull it out. Maybe. I mean, I like the, well, I've always liked the idea of North Korea is that everyone sort of gets the same clothes. I find that quite convenient in, within communist countries. Go, this the state tells you you've got to wear this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everyone drives this car and everyone wears these trousers. You go. I don't mind that. That would just that would make life a lot easier. Yeah, well, I just, I just wear the same well, exactly. kind of stuff the whole time, just wear dark I blue. Don't, I don't have much choice in clothes because of you know, size. So you just go, yeah. This do is the, a... Does Giacomo not do your sizes? Giacomo's for fat men, don't Oh, you? is it? I did their voiceover one. <laughs> Giacomo, for real men that are fat. I think that's, that's what... But Freddie say. Flintoff's not fat, he's an athlete. Maybe, but mostly. Well, it's like when you go to high and mighty, which I have to go to sometimes for you, but that's for, you know, it's more for the mighty than the high. Right. <laughs> Most of the men in there are, you know, 60-inch right. waist trousers. But no, it's more just sort of height in trousers. And sh- anyway, but that's, that's, <laughs> that's nothing to do with it. If but you have yeah, got... But, what size trousers are you? Well, ideally, I like a 35-inch leg, which Marks and Spencer do in some... And what waist do you, do you mind? Um, currently, I'm about 38. That's nice. Yeah, bad, it? <laughs> it's nice. Not bad. It's nice. But it's not his shoes. I've very good feet, so I have to go to you know. Clown what house. size feet? Are you? Fourteen. So I have to go to a you know, my mighty for shoes. That's the main thing. If anyone's anyway. got any spare size fourteen shoes, <laughs> or just thirty-eight clown, eight by thirty-five, <laughs> yeah, send them in. I mean, I'll wear anything. But no, but yes, but that, but that, that's where I think communism succeeds is making everyone wear the same trousers. But other than that, other than that, there's not like many to, perks. I'd like to put my trousers on and have free thought while I'm wearing them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I I enjoy sort of seeing the rare occasions when Alexi Sale uh, speaks out these days. Because um, yeah. I, I loved watching him when I, was a, when, when I was a kid. I don't think I truly understood the socialism aspect of it, but, but I found it entertaining. Kid. But he's one who's just like, yeah, it didn't work. It didn't work. His, his parents were proper, you know, yeah, yeah. rabid Marxists. They were really, you know, total belief in it, yeah. Yeah. But no, it's, it is fascinating. It doesn't give you that sort of sports movie-esque yeah. structure that... I know, it sounds it sounds trite, but they're the best documentaries just luck out in, you know, yeah. that they have that ending and they Maybe have that. Go but it. as just a sort of window into yeah. North Korea and just to make your own mind up as well, it doesn't tell you 
this is the way it is and or yeah. this is the way it isn't or anything you just have to watch the creepy the creepy creepy experience and then make up your own mind but it, it's worth watching and it's available on Netflix now I'm sure it's available elsewhere as yeah. well but uh, yeah uh, well that'll do for this week I think yeah. Justin thank you very much for coming on the show Justin a pleasure I better get back to Hollywood now <laughs> Hollywood. yes you, well, your flight must be arriving soon pretty soon yes I'm on the one o'clock to Hollywood Airport. <laughs> and you, you've got the very best seat, have you? Yes, I'm right by the driver. You get free milk? <laughs> yeah, free milk. I can sit at the front, <laughs> pretend to fly it. Uh, have you got anything you'd like to plug? Not really. What have we, uh, 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 what have I got? Okay, oh, no. I mean, Murder in Successful, it comes on. Are you in bit. much of that? Not much, no. I it's a good show, it. though. I very little of it, actually. Uh, that's why it's a good show. Uh, that's why it's a good, <laughs> that's why it's a strong show, because I've got me down to nothing. <laughs> That, Are You Being Served, which I still haven't seen. But that's kind of, um, no, and I'm recording with yourself, David Reed, on the drums, yes. recording a new radio sketch comedy series for Radio 4, so there's that to look out for, but I don't know when that's going to no, broadcast. but it's called Rum Bunch, so keep your eyes and ears open. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for coming. If you'd like to write to the show, uh, we'll read out letters next week and every week after that, uh, but go to filmfandango.com and follow the links from there um, to uh, send us a message. But in the meantime, keep watching, watching the, the films. films. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.